Culture Kings. Culture Kings. Culture. I think that Search Party is just one of those shows that it's it's both able to make fun of and attract the same audience, which I think is brilliant. I think it's so brilliant. You know what I mean? I'm a millennial. It's making fun of my culture, but I also love the show. I mean, maybe that's an indictment of millennials. Do you watch uh, Search Party, Jaquise? No, I keep hearing about it, and I might watch it. It's on my list of shows that I will eventually watch in quarantine because it's not What's ending. on that list? What else is on that list? Um, That is on my list. I was possibly planning on starting the Ozarks. I heard that was good. I'm okay. Um, so I may watch that. I don't want to watch Michael Bluth be uh Walter White. That's not interesting to me. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I know I just kept hearing I was like, uh, this may be something that's fun to watch. Uh and then just probably like a whole bunch of movies. I think I just watched rewatch Palm Springs. It's the first movie I've watched twice this quarantine. I mean Palm Springs was a perfect uh, movie. It was great. It was great. I mean and I love Chris I love uh the main girl. Oh yes, yes, yes. Good lord. Good Lord. I also loved her in USS Callister. And, uh, that was that her. Was yeah, that was her. That was her. Yeah. Yeah, no, she's beautiful. Um, Very. I, I just think that Palm Springs, you know, like, you know, Allende said this on our Arcade Currency chat, which we've discussed on this podcast twice, if Matt hasn't deleted stuff, uh, mm-hmm. is that that movie, you never, it, it surprises you every turn. Every time yeah. you think, I've got this movie figured out, it really surprises you. It was such an original script, which, you know, big shout out to Andy Ciotta. Uh It was just, it was great. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it it was a very fun take on the time loop. Yeah. Well, I guess, listen, we just ruined it for you, sorry. Um, it's the first three minutes of the movie. I mean, what's interesting is that in the script, they get to the time loop part a lot faster, which I thought was a smart edit on their behalf to let us sit with the character for a bit and yeah. then see him get into the time loop. That's not how it is in the script. I've been reading the script. Um, but yeah, if someone's mad that you spoiled the first five minutes of the movie, truly they can go fuck themselves. Yeah. It's also great. It's a, it was a very interesting take on the time loop, a very fun, romantic comedy. Uh Ah, that's what I wanted to talk to you about with with So you were willing to concede that this movie is a romantic comedy. Yeah, this is a romantic comedy. Okay. What else would it be? Eternal Sunshine it's on the Spotless Mind. Is that a romantic, a romantic comedy? Not a romantic comedy. No. What is going on? No. The same movie. It is definitely not the same movie. <laughs> I know they both deal it's with the- sci-fi. But Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is fucking heartbreaking. <laughs> this movie's also heartbreaking. Palm Springs is not heartbreaking. Uh, it is a sweet movie. And when, he's I sad, think, when he's sad, you're sad. I, okay, I fine. I can give you that. But, you know, but it is not. Eternal Sunshine is just not a romantic. Co- I, listen, romantic we've had this comedy. conversation so many times. I uh, know, but when I watched Palm Springs and I saw you tweeting about it, I was like, finally. I have him trapped you in my actually little web. Th- no, bro. This is it. They are nowhere Look, again, near the same. Again, again, again. Going to Wikipedia, I, not IMDb, that only uses one word descriptions for we've its We've also movies. disproved this on on the podcast <laughs> that they use multiple. Somebody called. <laughs> I think something called it a tragic comedy, and and even I, I was willing to relent that. 
I was willing to relent that, but I will not call it a romantic com. I cannot call it a rom com. I can't because you know actually you know why you know why no it does not have the tropes. They have a meet. They have a meet cute. They have a falling out, and then they get back together. Sounds like a romantic comedy. So here, okay, let me let me let me let me let's talk about this real quick. Real quick, before we get with, to our guest. With Palm Springs and traditional ro- romantic comedies. Palm Springs, uh, I'll, I'll, I will concede to this. Palm Springs does not have as many dramatic beats as Eternal Sunshine on the Smallest Mind does. Okay. I will concede to that. Yes. Now, and now I'm not saying like there is no humor in the, in the minutia of life and romance and in a relationship, but... In Palm Springs or most traditional rom coms, the ro- there is comedy in the romance, right? And in, Eter- in Eternal Sunshine, there is no comedy in the romance part of that movie with them. Their yeah, romance, no. If you think their romance is comedy, I feel sorry for you, bro. There's is- comedic beats. They have fun no. together. They're laugh. I mean, <laughs> I just think I just don't think I think it's insane that we're looking at a movie that literally has directed by Michelle Gondry, written by Charlie Kaufman, starring Jim Carrey, and we're going not comedy. That's insane to me that that lineup. Well, of listen, three like I said, great comedic minds. We're going like not I said, a comedy. I will not give a comedy. It- and here's what it is. Here's what it is. It's because we don't think that comedy can have depth. And I think that uh, the more we continue to have this, that we're not allowed that comedy that it can't be a comedy because it has these dramatic beats is so limiting of what comedy is and not true to like. Atlanta is able to be sad and funny. Exactly. At the same time. So but then, that's, why? But that's can't, not what I'm why saying. Why can Eternal no. Sunshine and Spotless Mind be that? Like, that's that's what I'm, not. That's all I'm but that's not that's what I'm all saying. I'm arguing. But what? It, but like I said, I am willing to relent that I it, the the term tragic comedy. I can put it in that because there's comedy in the tragedy. There is no comedy in the romance of that movie to me. So I can't. But that's put it, just an operation of the film. I mean, a lot of things do that. There's no comedy in that kid killing himself in that episode of Atlanta, but it's still a good episode of television and it's still a comedy. It doesn't just that one beat in that episode of Atlanta doesn't take it away from it being a comedy. Like, I I don't think that this rule of like, if there's going to be a tragic moment, it has to be comedic for it to be a comedy is true. It's just simply not. You can Mm -hmm. take a break and have this dramatic moment. I agree with that. I think we should allow eternal sunshine of the spotless mind to be a comedy because I think saying it's not is, not allowing that form to have a wholeness that it, it should have. It's a mm-hmm. it, it, it is written with a comedic tone to it. It's written again. Mm. I think I think even the tone you, is dramatic. But be, but you're bristling at that because you don't think that comedies can be serious. Like you're going oh, no, a comedic tone will be all. like whoop-de-doop. it's just like why like why can't it be a comedy like when it's no, so like it's I'm, a ridiculous premise. It's like right. I'm bristling at that because I think that dramedies, for the most part, lean one way. And I think Eternal Sunshine is a dramedy that leans drama versus leans comedy. Um, So I'm not bristling because I don't think comedies can be serious or have serious moments and have death. I'm just Mm -hmm. bristling that, for me, it leans drama. And then when I think of romantic comedies, the, the romance of that movie at no point throughout it leads to comedic uh, leads to a comedic tone of the film. Like, there are funny parts in it. There's even funny tones in it. 
but the actual story of their romance is a heartbreaking story that doesn't lead to any comedy that they were trying to tell of that movie, which is what, like, when, if you only look at the bad things and forget the good things, like, are you erasing the wrong parts, right? Okay, so let's let's talk about some things mm-hmm. that I think is very fascinating. One, in Slate, this is me reading from the Wikipedia, David Edelstein claimed Kaufman had moved the boundary post of romantic comedy. Like, that is like a critic being like, he recognizes that this movie fundamentally changed. And I agree that this movie was just like, yo, we can take rom-coms in a little bit more of a serious place. Because I think without this movie, you don't get Me, Earl, and the Dying Girl. Which, again, I think is a romantic comedy. And again, okay. it doesn't have all the slapsticky tropes. Also, if you want to go down this drama route, mm-hmm. the Golden Globes separates by genre. What genre do you think really? this movie was nominated on? What genre do you really? think this movie was nominated on? Let's, th- let's as talk a about person, it. As a person let's who loves it. award shows, you know damn well we can't use the Golden Globe. Uh, we can't use the it. Golden Globe. They didn't put it in best drama. They didn't put it in best Bro. drama. <laughs> you know we Unless can't use the categories the that the Golden Globes puts movies in as what the movie is about. Come on now. Comedy comes up in the Wikipedia page 11 times. Okay. All right. All right. You know what? I'm so upset. I don't think I can do this episode. What? Jaquise, no. Come on. I, Jaquise. Nah. For the last Jaquise. time, for the last time, I am so tired of this conversation that I am Jaquise. walking out. Jaquise, come on. I'm, I'm just trying to nope. say that I think that this movie nah, can man. have comedic tenants and still be a powerful drama. Like, I just don't nope. understand. I don't want to hear it. Uh, well i guess i guess i have to continue forward uh this really sucks because this was a guest that jakees was very excited about uh a very talented rapper from south la uh guys this is not a bit jakees has just walked out of the zoom room he and is not answering my text at all uh which again could be a function of his samsung phone which uh, Jaquise did tell me earlier was an inferior model uh, but man uh, ladies and gentlemen this very talent uh, our guest today is a very talented rapper uh, has a brand new album coming out this August the next voice you will hear is Duckworth's all right so it says that you grew up religious but I'm very interested to know what religion because in listening to your music i also grew up very religious like a very strict religious very similar to like you know what you were talking about Mm -hmm. so i'm very interested to know what religion you grew up in because listening to your music i sense the familiarity into like what i grew up with that i was like let me see what religion this dude grew up in Mm -mm. uh pentecostal kojic church of god okay 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 so like very intense, a lot of church service, like a lot of like, you know what I mean? Like it's like seven days a week, kind of. Yeah, it's a Monday prayer meeting, Tuesday mm-hmm. Bible, Wednesday children's church, Thursday. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> what was that like? Like, how did that feel growing up? Did you ever feel like that was peculiar or was it just like normal for you? It was normal. I mean, because it, it was just the whole atmosphere. And then my whole family is like church musicians. So church was just like a, a spinal cord. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess like where the music came. Yeah. Cause you know, I listened to your last album from twenty nineteen and I was just like, 
this like is stained in gospel. Like there's so much gospel influence in it that I was like, yeah, this dude is from church. Like, you know what I mean? Like I had listened to the album before I read the write up that they sent about you. And I was like, yeah, this dude's from church. Like I can hear it in your music. Uh, Funny enough, this album I'm about to drop in August. uh, Mm. Song is a, uh, it's a Clark sisters uh, flip. Yeah, man, I heard it. I heard it. They sent us over the demo thing. I don't know. And I was like, yo, this is, yeah. Oh, sick. Yeah. Yeah. Man, look, man, I vibe with you, bro. I really do vibe with you in someone who grew up in, like, you know, in the church and a lot of those sounds. Like, it it seems so familiar to me. Also, you know, the flip up from the last album to this album, it seems brighter. Oh, that was the intention. Mm -hmm. Um, The last album was, like, pretty much the fall, like, this king character and the fall of the king. And then this character is, like, kind of like the rock, essentially. Yeah. I'm dead. Like Reminded me a little bit of like Saul's energy, like you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, when Saul kind of realizes, like, damn, this young nigga Dave is about to take over. Like, you know what I mean? Like he just feels it. That's yeah. the energy I got from that last album. And this album is just like like you said, it's like it's the rise. Everybody's on the up and up, like, you know, mm-hmm. listening to super good. I was just like, Ooh, the harmonies are super good. I was like, Okay, I see it now. I see the positivity and the shine through it all. That's it. Yeah, it took me a long time because I've had the concept since 2013 and i knew it'll be like a positive like like joy so what was that place that you found yourself in like that it made it a little complicated like was it like some personal like you don't have to get into detail about it but like kind of talk about like how it's so hard to create something because i find that too right like i'm a i'm a i'm a tv writer i look outside in the world i'm like man i'm fucking depressed and it's hard for me to like make jokes so like talk about that process a little bit yeah uh i think part of it is i I fell in love man and you know Mm a person but i just fell in love with with life again um with i guess music art i just found a new love but i definitely also i allow myself to be open because i see what it was and that's what the falling man was the reason why that character fell is because he refused love so much you know from every you know facet so because of that refusal and denying it it ended up being his demise you know damn so it's kind of it's very much reflective of my life <laughs> really yeah and then this one is just like I said, I, over the over the past year, I've just opened up and like allow myself to love and be in love. And, I don't know; it's kind of changed my life, <laughs> truly. I mean, was there like a catalyst for that? Like, was it like you were in therapy? You were like, you know, you hopped on meds, or like, what was it? Just like meeting like a, a person that you were just like, oh, I really feel this person, or this, did it just happen over time of just like you making a decision of like, yo, I'm gonna open up? Yeah, it was a person. It was um, me trying to be more mature of myself. Cause like I'm a tourist. I'm a double tourist, so like we are known to be stubborn. Oh yeah, uh, just walls, mountains, bro. Like, absolutely. Hey, bro, May twentieth, right here. So I completely understand what you're talking about. Oh yeah, exactly. You already know. So yeah, it, it's just hard. But I know that like because I was so stubborn, like yeah, I, I was beginning to burn bridges, lose connections, or just certain things weren't really uh, happening. Certain connections were happening in my life, and I was just like, all right, I need to get past this. And like. Pretty much the universe is saying, you want to get past it, you need to bring your walls down. So, mm. all right, for sure. God, me. Being vulnerable ain't easy, bro. Like, being vulnerable and open is, like, not an easy thing at all. Like, it, it, like especially when those walls were put there for a reason. Like, you know, whether it was something that happened in our childhood or some sort of betrayal that we felt. Like, we, we built up those defenses to protect ourselves from, from shit from our childhood. And now when someone else comes into our lives... And expects for us to just tear them down. It's not. It's not. It's not easy. 
Yeah, yeah. No it isn't. It isn't, man. And a lot of your childhood experiences kind of shape and mold who you are as an adult, you know? So it's, it's like you really have to do the work. If there's any traumatic events that's happening, you really have to do that work to like work through them, get over them, or at least be able to like, you know, work with them, I suppose. It's, it's not yeah. So listening, listening to Nobody Falls, man, like, you know, I, I, I read in the write-up that your, your, your management company said over, and they were like, yo, yeah, he was into like, you know, Black Sabbath and like hard punk rock. But I was like, let me challenge this a little bit. Did you fuck around with a little bit of pop punk, bro? Did you listen to some Paramore? <laughs> Come on, bro. Not even a little, bro. Come on, man. The emo band that I listened to was the band called From First to Last. Oh, they're, yep. They're tight. Uh, they had that album, Heroin. Um, who else did I listen to? I fuck with Green Day. They're like pretty oh. pop punk. Yeah, uh, very pop punk. Um, shit, shit, shit. Uh, well, no doubt, kind of veered into pop land, but they're, I mean, they're still a legitimate Scott punk group, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but that's as, as, that's as pop as it gets for me, man. <laughs> <laughs> I did, and I, I really did like my chemical romance. I, I can, okay. I've seen that album from beginning to end. You see, okay, I was like, I can hear a little bit of it, especially that track, Nobody Falls. I was like, I can hear a little bit of, like, you know, like that MCR and stuff like that. And, you know, me as a black man who felt like I was the only nigga in the world who listened to that shit, I was like, oh, hell yeah. yeah. Oh, hell yeah, I can hear that shit. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, a couple of them, but not, not, not a lot. <laughs> I, I would have never caught you at Warp Tour. <laughs> I would have went one year off of GP just to see what it's about. You know what I'm saying? But. <laughs> <laughs> not too much <laughs> man i used to go i used to be the only nigga there be like this is crazy this is crazy that i mean i also went in texas so like, this is crazy i'm the only black person here i remember i went to one in pomona and i was like oh, okay i see a little bit more black people here but back in texas i was like oh i'm the only nigga for miles yeah, 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 yeah. that's crazy in texas Ooh, that's crazy yeah black dude in uh in the um, and shit man i mean that's not even fun like Warped Tour was definitely like pop punk, though. It's definitely pop punk. Yeah, it's not real punk at all. Like, it's like, you know, shit that 13-year-old white girls are listening to. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but I'm sure the shows were still fun. Oh, they were very fun, man. They were very fun. Like, you know, I remember seeing 303, and obviously, as white as it gets for an artist, but they threw a great show, man. Like, they would bring in, like... Because, you know, they it was just the two of them. So they would bring in, like, you know, people from, like, other bands. Like, I think, like, they brought in the drummer from Under Oath one time and all this stuff. And, like, they would have them play the music. And they would just stick to just rapping and hyping up the crowd. Mm-hmm. And I just I was just like, yo, this is amazing. Yeah, facts, facts, facts. Now, I remember Casualties used to perform at a Warped Tour, too. And they were, like, a legitimate working class fucking punk band, bro. So yeah. I, never thought, I never thought it was, like, pop. Punk, no matter how much they wanted to push them to be, they were yeah, just- you knew the truth. You knew the truth. Being into all that punk stuff as like a young black man in South Los Angeles, like, did you find it like were people making fun of you, or like, did you feel like you were outcast at all, or was there a scene to a certain extent? Um, like uh, ninth and tenth grade was uh, weird because I didn't I didn't find them yet, but I got into punk music through this. Uh, it's Mexican girl that was like, I was in class with, and she would come to uh, class with like cheap sack shirts and casualty shirts and um, some other bands. And I'd be like, man. And mind you, I was into this black girl that was listening to pop punk. So mm. she was like the Green Days and Chemical Romance and stuff like that. 
So like, I was like, oh, like she's cute. But then I found this other girl who was like, man, like she was into like like punk punk shit. And I was like low key, like really feeling her, but I never spoke on it. <laughs> but uh, that that kind of what I did, I just like looked went home and I was like looking up those bands I was on her shirt, you know. But I think Pharrell and Neptune's NERD that really helped out with black people accepting the different type of black people. Like I was skating for so long, you know, called like Oreo, you know, saying this and that. And then like they came around and now everybody wanted to be skaters and shit, you know what I'm saying? So it's just like, oh, y'all hopping on my train. All right, cool, whatever. (laughs) I've been doing this. I've been out here at the park. here, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) So yeah, during that time, but like 2004, 2005, it started to change. That whole narrative started to change. You know what, man? I, I mean, that's definitely clear in your work, man, because I, I, I mean this as a high compliment and as someone who has this word on, like, his vision board, you're a weird dude. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're a very weird dude. <laughs> uh, okay, all right, tell me, how, how, what, make, what makes you feel like I'm a weird dude? Well, I'll be listening to your tracks, right, and it's going in one direction, and then all of a sudden it just switches up, a lot like pop. I mean, not a lot like punk, right? Where like it's like you know, like, it's you singing. It's very like straightforward, like sound like an R and B track, and all of a sudden the beat just hits. It's like doom, 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 and you start talking over, it, and I'm like, yo, where is this going? Like you know what I mean? Like there's like this kinetic energy to it that I don't feel like a lot of hip hop artists are really experimenting with. Where I was like, yo, this dude's out there. You know what I'm saying? Like this dude is trying to do something different than what everybody else is trying to do. Yeah, no facts, man. I mean, it just it just feels right. Like it, I don't ever want to. It's only certain times I can just give you like one feeling throughout the whole way. It's still gonna give you some type of valley and dynamic, but for the most case, I'm trying to just like it's more so the challenge of myself. I'm like, mm. what have I not done? What bridge haven't I, you know, created? And it's just we trying to reimagine what a bridge could be, you know, because like for so long, bridges have been like, you know, you more so just do a key change, you change from like a major to minor or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like. How can you flip that even more? Or how can you make put it in a way where people just would not expect it? Like fallback, um, when I made that one in like 2018 and shit, I, I feel like people are always surprised. <laughs> so let's just say how long the punk it was on. And then it yeah. just like then it went to like a, a, a reggae song. Like they just broke into reggae. And it's like the transition of like, like and it, it was hard. I was like, yeah. like that's sick. So yeah, no, that's probably the shit out of me. Yeah, man, on, on that fallback track was definitely the one where I was just like, yo, I, where is this dude coming up with this stuff? Where is this dude going with this stuff? And you know what? I think it's interesting because, you know, you're from this area of Los Angeles that has a very, very traditional hip-hop sound. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like there's, like, an expectation of, like, the ride of, like, the simps and all that stuff and, and stuff like that. Like, you know, like the Kendrick sound or West Side Gun and all that stuff. And but then I listen to you and I'm just like, how is this dude from this area? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you sound so different than everybody else that's from literally your class. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was punk. There was like a punk scene. It was like a definitely like a Latin punk punk scene that was in South Central. Like, I remember there was even a movie, um, uh, South Central. I don't know if it was South Central punk or it was a. Uh, Something I don't know. I remember what the name of it was, but it was a movie about just these like young like Hispanic kids that were just like skating around and like wearing a punk band and shit. It was like one of those like really cool like uh, uh, independent films. And there's this band in there called South Central Riot Squad, and mm-hmm. then another one called um, 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 uh, Cheap Riot or something like that. 
but they were all like yeah like uh like real hispanic punk bands from from south central you know it's like there was yeah. that black hair scene going on for a good minute out there you just have to like kind of look out for it it wasn't and i keep saying like you know adding hispanic whatever because it wasn't that many black punks but they were our segue you know yeah because we, we didn't have white people out there really like that no 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 there's no white people living in south central so yeah, not yeah, yet. Not yet. The white people are on their way, though. The white people are on their way. They're looking at the housing prices and like, hmm, yeah, we're coming. Uh, I've, I've been I've been going through Inglewood and uh, and like even like Winter Hills and shit. Like and it's just like it, it, it's changing up. Sure, it's changing yeah. up. I'm hoping that black people are able to like keep their ownership of their places because like you know over time like things change and it's like these like very like black and rich places like Lamert Park. Can, can change just by who owns it and stuff because they may not have the same intentions, you know what I'm saying, uh, as we do to preserve that culture and shit. So I don't know. I hope, I, hope, I really hope <laughs> that is. I mean, I hear you because Lamert Park is such a culturally rich place. Like, I remember I did an improv show out there and I was just like, this is like a, a black arts center. Like, I didn't know, like, you know, I'm. I'm a I'm a I'm one of those bad transplants. I'll admit it. Like you know, I'm the transplant that you hate. Where you know, I moved to Echo Park. I moved to Silver Lake, and I was like, man, I hate LA. You just like, nigga, you ain't even seen LA yet. You haven't yeah. even seen LA. You know, what I'm <laughs> <saying>? <laughs> it definitely, it definitely been me. Like so, you need to see LA, like real LA, LA. That I don't know. Exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. So when I moved, when I went out to Lebanon Park for a show, I was just like, yo, this is a black art center. Like there's like all these like art on the walls and shit like that, and like. There was that space where they have the you know the the festivals and stuff like that. I was like, yo, this is crazy, and I completely agree with you that we should like make sure that we preserve that because when these white people come in, I remember in Brooklyn there was this thing that almost happened where these white women organized and they're just like, yo, we want to change some of the street murals that are around here, and one of the street murals that they wanted to change was Biggie, like, and people were just what? like, yo, you, yeah, they're like, it was a mess. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. And people had to explain to them the cultural significance of it. And they were just like, oh, well, we thought it was just like, you know, this thing. And it's just like, no, this is like a hero to this area. See, my problem is if you go into a neighborhood like that and you don't do the education, it's just like you, you are, you are, you become the disease. You know what I'm mm. saying? Like I'm trying to find a place where it's like I can have like level conversations with like every race and stuff, but it's just like, that's any race. If you go into a place that is already predominantly a certain like culture, you need to fucking do the education. If not, mm. you become a problem. You, you become, ah, bruh. Especially if they, if the ones that come in that have all the money and they trying to just buy up this and that and that and this, but it's like, you're not doing the knowledge. Like any person that, when you say best style, you think of big, you know what I'm saying? Like that, yes. that, that's, man, like, that's automatic, you know, like don't move into a black neighborhood, a predominantly black neighborhood and just, you know what I'm saying? Like, have no knowledge of it. That that makes no sense to me. Like, for me, if I was another race moving to a black neighborhood, like, I'd be nervous. <laughs> yeah. I, I ain't gonna play with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm gonna try to do as much knowledge as possible. Hey, how you doing? What can I do for the neighborhood, please? Like, straight up. I live in East LA right now, and that's a predominantly like, Hispanic neighborhood and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, like, uh, Mexicans and Blackies to war back in the day and stuff. So, like, even me being over here, like, off top, like, I was a little bit nervous, but like, I'm, I'm, hello, how you doing? My name is, ooh, ooh, what's your name? What's your family? Ooh, what could I do for y'all? Like, bro, you know what I'm saying? It's just respect, you know? Because easily, like, you, you, you're, you're, you're the minority <laughs> in a certain area. 
No, I 100% agree with you, man. I mean, you know, looking at next door, you see a lot of that energy, you know, and I need to get off that app. But I just I, I'll, I'm a, I'm that person who reads the comments on any article because I love how negative they are. And I'm working on that in therapy. But like, you know, <laughs> like I go on next door and you can just see certain people complaining about things. You know, the white people. I live in Echo Park and mm-hmm. the white people are complaining about things. And then, you know, Latinx people have to come on and be like. Yo, you don't understand that what you're talking about is something that has culturally existed here for years. Like, you got to put some respect on these traditions. Like, you're you're mad at these parties, but that house has been throwing a party here every day, every year at this time for years. And the whole neighbor, like, you know what I mean? Like, just shit like that where you're just like, yeah, like you said, they're, they're not understanding the cultural dynamics of the neighborhood and the history of the neighborhood. I mean, I, I'm, I'm guilty of it. I remember I went to the Echoplex and they had Morrissey Night. And I was just like, man, this is about to be some white shit. I'm not excited. And you know who was there. You know who was there. And I know who was there. And I was very surprised by who was there. I walked in and I was like, yo, this is nothing but Latinx people. Like, I did not know that Latinx people fucking love Morrissey like that. Like, it was like a bunch of cholos getting down to fucking Morrissey. And that's when I learned, like, oh, there's a respect for this kind of music in this culture. And that's why they have this event every year is because these people like that and this is their space you know versus like you know echoplex can sometimes just be white people dancing to funk music at funky soul every saturday but like you know <laughs> hello but um <laughs> yeah no for sure <laughs> culture game. I mean, what was the connection? Was it like, was it on some like, did it look like rockabilly type vibe? I think so, man. I think so. Like, I, and I didn't know that. I mean, I I went, you know, with my friend Alejandro and he was like, yeah, come through. And I was like, I really don't want to go to this white people shit. And I was blown away, bro. I was blown away by like, for real, like some of the hardest looking dudes I've ever seen in my life fucking crying to Morrissey. Like, I was like, but this is their culture. And this is what they fuck with. And like. Yeah. I get to experience that, and that was a part of LA that I would have never experienced if I had closed off myself and just been like, "Oh, I assume that this is what it is." Like, as someone from New York, I don't give LA a lot of credit for being as diverse culturally as it is. Mm-hmm. No, it's very diverse. It's super diverse. You just got to move around. It's just there's like there's like the hot spots, and everybody goes to hot spots. And people who go to the hot spots, they on some like weird, shallow, egotistical shit, but it's just like. <laughs> LA, <laughs> LA guys, it's so big. You know, you're bound to find other cultures. You know what I'm saying? Uh, other like little like sub genres, like sub pockets, like all that shit. Like you just gotta move around. That's all. And like I've definitely found some really tight shit in South Central and Inglewood, like Skidmore and, and everything. But I mean, I don't know, man. I don't remember Echo Park looking away. Like I remember back in the day, it looked much different. You know, and I guess I, I remember Silver Lake when I was young. We, we didn't. I didn't even know it was Silver Lake when I was like a little kid. My Uber driver told me that Silver Lake used to be the rough part of town. Like people like would not like want to be there, and I was like, "This neighborhood." Like I looked, at, I pointed out the window. I said, "This neighborhood, this kombucha spot right here." Like it, like it's weird how they've completely erased the history of those places. For me, LA has always been South is Black people, East is Latin, um, North is uh, like North Hollywood, and all that stuff is like white people, and then West is white people because that's like beach stuff. So like they were like they had enough money to neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So it's like the parts that are like predominantly white now, which are like, like I said, Echo. Not even predominantly, like Echo and, and like especially Silver Lake. For sure, that makes total sense, you know? Like, and I ain't got no problem with it. It's just like, you like, don't erase the culture. 
like, you know what I'm saying, like preserve it, find ways to like respect the place that you're like moving into, you know, like so many, I heard this conversation before I go, and she was looking at spots in Inglewood. She was like, yeah, I found this really cute spot in Inglewood. And like the way she was going about it, it's just like, it was just more so like she, she totally negated anything else that was happening around it. She just seen this cute house. And <laughs> she was just like, yeah, I'm like, man, like you even know about Inglewood. Like, yeah, I remember, man. I remember so many crazy memories about that place, man. I remember it well, because I went to Morningside. I graduated from Inglewood High School, but I went to Morningside. And I remember we used to walk, uh, after school, we used to see like, like five blood members, five blood members walking around, <laughs> draped in red, but like the little homie, and like they would have to like initiate the little homie, so the little homie had to just jump whoever. And I used to hate the moments, bro. It's like, especially I'll go right to that, <laughs> I would not cross that street. Cause you know, you could have been jumped. Like it, it's so many like crazy moments, you know? And it's just like, for a person that, not saying it's like that, that, that type of culture needs to be preserved in that sense, but more so like, it's just crazy to see these rich white people come into these neighborhoods these neighborhoods that's been dangerous as fuck that gave me like one of the most like traumatic like memories, but also gave me a spinal cord too, because now absolutely, especially in corporate like meetings and corporate settings. Like if I can, if I can survive blood and crib members, you know what I'm saying? If I can survive gang initiation, drive-bys and stuff like that, I can definitely survive (laughs) a corporate like environment. But yeah, I don't know. It's just interesting. You know, I, I'm interested to talk a little bit more about the corporate stuff because, you know, I, I fashion myself an artsy-fartsy nigga as well. And, like, I, I'm just, like, interested in, like, how often do you feel, like, on the corporate level, level, people are trying to box you in? Or are they completely accepting of how out of the box you are? If they fucking with me, they already know they're going to get because I've already presented myself to be just, like, I left this in, you know? Like, you ain't going to come to me for, like, some, like, traditional R&B shit. You ain't going to come to me for me. Or like anything like that, it's just like, oh, you look at me, you're like, oh, this nigga different. Yeah. <laughs> so just, like, you were coming to me for a specific experience, and like sometimes you have to bend and everything, and uh, you know, whatever tour shit. Um, but it's if it, if it don't, if it ain't got integrity, I, I just can't fuck with it. I can't fuck I feel with that, it. especially if my name is on it. Yeah, I mean, it, because now your name has become synonymous with this sound, synonymous with this artistic you know fluidity that i think it's important to preserve like you know what i'm saying like i I mean i don't want to like throw any artists under the bus but there is like i think when you think about pop punk and one of the reasons why it died was how quickly bands changed up their sound i mean like you know like i i'm long a person who said panic at the disco died after two albums like i don't know them after that after those after those first two albums i don't know them no more like you know what i mean like they completely changed their sound went for something that was far too into the pop realm and we're trying to sell records and shit like that same thing with fallout boy i'm like first three albums after that they're dead to me and like there's <clears> this <throat> tragicness of like and like you know it worked out for them they do stadium tours and shit like that now and they they play on espn every time like you know every time there's a college football game but it's just not that same sound anymore and that's depressing to me so like i, I completely respect what you're saying like there has to be integrity in the work because then, you know, Duckworth changes from being Duckworth. You know, next thing you know, you're doing uni- universal mind control. And that's the closest I'll say to an artist that I feel like sold out. But, like... <laughs> <laughs> no, but there was a song that I was fired. Hold on. There was a song that I was fired as fuck. Um, Which song? Which song, bro? Because when I heard that, when I heard that, I was like, this is not common, bro. <laughs> I remember that. Hold on, bro. There's a, there's a song in there that's, that's playing. Uh... <laughs> Sex for sugar. 
that is a hard ass song. Let me go back and listen to that because I'm I'm an album guy. I don't I don't know about you, but I'm an album guy. I can't listen to this individual tracks. I have to listen to the whole album through. No, I like so, the whole album, but that's that's it. It's like a it's like a Neptune's beat. It's it's hard. It's like okay. But it's hard. Sex for sugar. Sugar for sex. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard, bro. That's not me. That song is hard. I don't know if you believe that it's hard, bro. But I'll listen to it. I'll listen to it for you, bro. All right, man. Let's talk. Let's talk about some of your influences on the hip hop side of things. Like, who do you feel like are people who really shaped the way that you're doing things in the hip hop side? Hmm. Um. Hmm. That's a great question. Uh, here's the thing I, I haven't really been as far as a recent thing I'm trying to go everywhere outside mm-hmm. I, I just feel like there are so many textures of music yeah like I, I have not really been listening to much of any hip hop but from like a foundation standpoint like of course like the outcast uh, not the like outcast of course like Nas Jay um I mean, I guess Kendrick, 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 Kendrick's like, I like Kendrick, not just for, because I can't really quote a lot of Kendrick's uh, lyrics. Like, there's certain ones I can, but he's more of like a prophet. So you more so, you, you tap in, you tap in, you know, like I'm, like there's a couple of songs, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, uh, Humble, you can, you can quote a couple of them and stuff. Um, but just his, his, like his, his cadence, his fucking conviction, um, his arrangements, uh, uh, his vocal tones, his experimentation, and then uh, the people that he worked with visually, like I think Dave Free and them, is that them? I think that's mm-hmm. um, amazing, bro. Like the whole package. And then you get a story with it, and then, and then he don't do interviews. <laughs> oh, he really doesn't. He ain't got an Instagram. He ain't got a fucking bro. Like, you hear, you get him when he decides. For you to get him or to hear him, so I love that. I love that. I I, I, I love Kendrick, bro. And tell you the truth, the camp, bro, because I mean, Schoolboy Q, like he Hoover. He he will no matter how commercial of songs he do, he is still a Hoover ass <laughs> nigga, bro. Like, and he will let you know. And I love it. He keeps the scum. He he's like he's like ODB, you know what I'm saying? But just a little bit cleaner. Like like he he reminded ODB in the group for sure. One of my favorite. Like, you know, I watch a lot of live shows on YouTube. And one of my favorite YouTube live shows I've ever seen was Schoolboy Q was performing, just doing his tracks. And there was a bunch of white kids in the audience. And they kept yelling, uh, 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 hands on the wheel, hands on the wheel, hands on the wheel. And he just went, man, I'm going to play the fucking tracks I want to play. And if I want to play that song, I'm going to do that song. And I was like, yo. Like, he just, he's real. He he told him straight up, I'm not doing that track until I want to do that track. And I would expect for him to say something like that because it's schoolboy. I'm not going to be, like, sitting there banging on him, bro. It's just like, what? <laughs> like, what are you doing? Of course he's going wild out, bro. Like, you guys are weird. Stop. <laughs> uh, also, uh, Earth Gang. Earth Gang. They're, like, they're, for me, like, Olu and Wildbreak, they're, they're both, like, the for lack of, I mean, I don't even have to say it, but they are that manifestation of outcasts in this generation. But just they're doing it in their own way, and I love it. And same thing with the cadence. And to tell you the truth, both of them are uh, you know how outcast, how outcasts is like big, not big, uh, big boy and Dre, and they both are different. Like sometimes, uh, while great can be like big boy and Dre, but sometimes older can be big boy and Dre. It just they they merge it together in such a crazy way. But I love them, they're they're yeah. insane. 
they don't have that distinction that Outcast had where you could be like, oh, okay, I definitely can tell that Andre's pulling Big Boy this way. Like, it seems like they're both down for the weird. And yeah, when I first heard them, I was just like, oh, this is definitely an escalation of that Outcast weird sound. And I mean, I felt the same way with listening to you, man. And like, I, I definitely, you know, I, I like what you said about the package thing because I remember watching this Vince Staples interview where he said, when you're writing a track now, you have to think about everything. Like, you can't just write the track. You got to think about what the album art's going to look like. You got to think about the video. You got to think about what movie. Like, and that seems so clear to me in your work. Like, how do you how do you juggle all of that of thinking about the package? Because, like, super good, you know, and I know it's not out yet for everybody. But in hearing it, I was just like, this man has a whole vision for this thing. Like, it's so clear that this man, like, has, like, what the music videos are going to look like and all that. Like, there's such a clear vision to the whole thing. Um. Well, I... I came into it, with, once again, I had the concepts in 2013, but I didn't know what it would look like, but I knew it would be like colorful. I knew it would be textured. I knew I would be like kind of, you know, pulling from uh, certain um, bodies of work, like Stevie's, like you can pick whatever from his 70s uh, catalog uh, or, or like 80s too. And, um, and um, Michael being another one um, from his 80s catalog. From, well, I guess what what off the wall came out seventy nine, I suppose. Yeah, but you should ask me questions about Michael. We're gonna get into a real problematic beef on this show that is like some weird, weird thing that you don't want to get into. Okay. All right. Well, we'll <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> uh, but just those like those type of uh, artists that there's a sound, there's a magical sound that they were like tapping into. Either through like just the the choice of instrumentation, whether it be those analog synthesizers or just their arrangements that they were doing, and I wanted to kind of tap into that. Um, so, but also take some of those textures, you know, like that seventies glam texture, like you see the sparkle, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I think of seventies glam, I think of the sparkle, you know. And um, I went to. I think for me, I've always stayed in primary colors for my albums. It's always been like a red a yellow, a, a blue type vibe, or a red in there some type of way. And I was just like, I can't keep pulling from the same things. I got to pull from places like a little bit less safe. Because Falling Man was black, red, and white, you know, and that's a very traditional punk colorway. <laughs> um, what else before that? And I said, yeah, actually, before that was uh, primary. So this, I was like, I need to just find a place where I'm like, I'm not so comfortable in. And I went to Hawaii. And uh, I found these different colors that kept standing out to me. And it was like this um, kind of reddish orange, mustard mm. uh, yellow, and lavender. And then um, I, and I got the confirmation because I was in the airport uh, waiting to catch my flight back to, to L.A. And in the airport was like these ceramic, uh, big old uh, ceramic walls. And they were like just these like floods of color. And the main colors that were in there was those colors. It was the That's crazy. So then what I did after that with my team, I pretty much uh, made a presentation where it's just like, all right, cool. This is the only colors that we're going to be using. And if it's not these colors, it's complementary colors, which would be mm. also brown, beige, you know what I'm saying? Like maybe certain hints of green. Uh, then I'm like, cool, we're only going to use these types because these types work well together. And they kind of give me that classic vibe. And I was like, from there, this is going to be the logo <laughs> and the uh, symbol that we're going to be using. So anytime we can use these symbols, let's use them. Then the next one in the presentation was, this is the only clothing I want to be wearing. Two-piece suits uh, with embroidery or like some type of like 70s, like like bedazzlement and shit, or these like kind of military, like tasseled, opulent like pieces and stuff. 
and I just sent it out. And then from there, the team has been able to transfer. It. So it's, I it's, mean, hmm? it, it's very parliament, right? Like it's very, like there's this like funk Afrofuturism to those colors too. And also the sound that you're playing as well. Yeah, 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 definitely uh, Afrofuturism for sure. And I mean, one of the symbols that's a, a big, a big symbol of the project is the infinity symbol and stuff. And I, what, what I did is I took the two O's that are in super good and I just turned it to an infinity symbol. And then, but for me, what it represents is I'm going into the past and pulling certain pieces and I'm bringing it to the present, which is the middle point of an infinity. And then I'm, I'm, I'm shaping it for the future. So it's just really? like this constant like motion. And it, it, yeah, it worked out. Or it's working out, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I'm excited for people to hear it, man, because, I mean, I really enjoyed a lot of the harmonies on the album, and definitely I'm a big synth guy. I love synth. It's my favorite my favorite style of instruments. So, yeah. like, I, I definitely I definitely love that. But in listening to you talk, man, you seem very aware of art. And, you know, another reason why I really fuck with you is because, like myself, you're an art school dropout. So can you kind of talk about... <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it, man. I mean, I was, I went, I went, I, went to, I dropped out of school in Northern California as well. So I was just like, okay, I see you. Um, so like, I'm assuming that it was Academy of Art. Am I correct in assuming that? So uh, what was that like there? And like, what did you take from it? And then at what point did you realize like, yo, this isn't serving me? Um, the education was great. Um, I learned it. I learned a shit time. Only thing is, it's more so uh, shaped for a certain pride, a certain um, um, financial uh, <laughs> bracket. Like you got to come from a family that got money because if you want to keep them projects coming in and out, you got to be able to buy the tools, buy the books. And and for me, I just couldn't afford a lot of the tools that was necessary in order to make some of the projects. So it's just like, it kind of reflected in my grades at certain points, which I think was really fair, you know, but um, also it's kind of an expensive school, you know, um, <laughs> also I, I um the people that I still know today and I'm seeing that are like rising to like you know the craziest of levels all went to Academy of Arts so it gave me a, a community um like there's this one cat that worked uh that went to Academy of Arts named Wella and he has this uh brand called uh, uh Kids of Immigrants and they do you've seen a lot a lot of like uh Kehlani and just a bunch of people but they make some insane pieces uh, there's another artist that went there named Reginald Sylvester, um, and he did this brand called uh, Rare Panther with uh, another cat, Paulo Kaye. And um, now Reginald Sylvester is a contemporary artist selling pieces for no lower than $10,000. Like, he's, like, being placed in, like, all these, like, white spaces, and he's, like, a black man with very black subject matters, like, in, co- in a contemporary world. And then Paulo, he's went on to make this brand called uh, uh, Girls Don't Cry, which is, like, damn near the next base like hand like no cap next base it's, it's wow. like people have come from academy of arts you know even still uh, uh, uh david ali who was kaylani's um manager yeah arts, and we all know each other like that's all the homies and shit i mean you know i definitely i, I vibed with you on the financial thing because like i said i went to a school up there and my freshman year i wasn't feeling it and my sophomore year i was like yo i'm gonna transfer to academy of art and mm-hmm. when i saw what they were asking for me to pay I was like, yee. And then they're like, oh, don't worry about it. You can do loans. And I was like, double yee. Like, I'm not doing that shit. Like, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now for me, it's like also, they're kind of like, they got some cash cow shit, bro. Like, I did four years and I was like, you got to do two more because you got to do wah wah And I'm just like, what? Like, this is, a, uh, this is an art school. Like, this isn't, 
<laughs> this isn't that type of shit. Like, I'm not about to do six years at art school. Just like, give me my shit. Like, it's four years. I'm I'm done. And then I was like, nah, you got to do two more. So I, I dropped out. Yeah, I mean, I was, I mean, I'm a very similar case, except instead of two years, it was one class. But like, you know, like I, like I was just like, yeah, I'm not doing this one class, and I just left. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, one thing I do think, like, you know, I always tell people this, especially people who are trying to come to UCB and learn, they're like, oh, what is the benefit of getting out of it? And you know, what I appreciated what what you said is like, art school didn't teach you about art. Like that shit was already in your soul. Like you know what I mean? Like that shit comes from where you grew up. You know, your childhood experiences perhaps genetically as well like there's just something about you as like a human being like you know in your nature that that art thing comes from but what it can do is teach you how to communicate that art to others like you know what i mean and like that's just that's all it is and like you're just learning to be like okay i have these ideas in my brain how do i tell a company that wants to hire me yo this is what i'm trying to do that's all that's all art school is yeah I know and I understand the language to be able to like tell a person. Like I'm literally I, before I got on this call, like I'm I'm working with a team and like um, we're working on covers together. So then like I'm like, no, I don't like that. Like, can you change that font to Can you adjust that like higher, that line point? You know what I'm saying? And it's just like having the language to be able to tell them exactly what I want. Like that kerning is terrible. Like that U is way too far from that C. Ooh, those are clashing. That's too close to the <laughs> to the. Yeah. You move that over, like yeah. So it, it's nice. It's it's tight, and it, it really has like been able to shape my career as a as an artist. You know, because people once again they come to me for an experience because I presented myself with these certain colors with like a lot of artistic integrity. So you know, okay, cool. I mean, it just feels like working on some regular duty. I mean, a professor once told me, you know, every decision that you don't make, someone else is making. Like you know what I mean? Like something else is making that decision for you. And like I think what you're able to do because you went to art school is make sure that any decision that is being made is filtered through you. Because like, you know, anytime, like, you know, I, I'm currently like developing something on the TV side and like, anytime it's like in a space, I don't understand. I'm also just like, yo, explain to me this because I want to make sure that I understand what's happening here. Because if I don't, I, I'm, and it's not good, it's on me later. Like it just says my name. It don't say anybody else's name. So you can't mm -hmm. like, you know, if you drop an album and the album cover is wrong, no one's going to go, Hey yo, man, who who made like what graphic designer made this album cover? They're just gonna say Duckworth's album sucks. Like you know what I mean? Like they like it's not on that random ass graphic designer. It's gonna be on you. So I like that you're in control of your thing to be like, this is exactly what I wanted to say, and it's on me at the end of the day. And really, I mean, if you ever go like Craig digging and stuff, like the first thing I look look at is it be the name. It just be the album cover, right? Especially like one of them like like those like deep cut type joints like an old funk band that like nobody knew about like i'm gonna look at the cover i'm looking and be like okay cool this cover is tight so the, the music may be on point now there's been times where that theory does not work and the music is trash and shit but at least i have a great album cover <laughs> and like it's so many times i like <laughs> straight up bro and so many times even at the grocery store you know what i'm saying like sometimes i'll pick something if i don't know the brand for like i'm like whole foods and you know, Whole Foods is always a new something. Like every day, they always got a new brand of kombucha or some shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's just like, all right, uh, I like their, I like their, I like their packaging. Let me see what they about. So it's yeah, every man. Yeah, man. Like you said, like it's like the entire package. Yeah. People are coming for the Duckworth experience. Like you know what I mean? Like they're coming for the entire vibe of you. You know what I mean? Like which, you know, it makes me sad that we're in these 
coronavirus times, I'm just like, I want to see, I want to see you perform live. Is that like after listening to your music, I was like, that is what I want to see. Is what a live Duckworth show is like. Listen, listen, mm. it's 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 giving me time to figure out how to make this show like insanely epic. But I now have the the music, a cohesive amount of music to really make it. Like I damn near wanted to only perform this album, like high key, like super good, just because. You know, like maybe we'll do a quick little medley or something like that. But like, I, I want to perform every song on the album, you know, and it just really create this whole experience. So we'll see. But I'm still, I, we'll, we'll, we'll be there, even if it's like maybe like mid 2021 or something like that. Like, you know how these years go, they go like this anyway. So absolutely, absolutely. And you know what? I'm going to make sure I stay alive just so I can see your concert. <laughs> not, not to have kids, nothing. I'm just going to be alive to just see your concert. <laughs> Oh, I'm glad to be the inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, one of the, like, you know, movies now are doing these crazy soundtracks, these crazy, crazy soundtracks. Like, you know, I, I feel like since Black Panther, everybody's been like, yo, let's level up and have a great soundtrack. And you got to be a part of one of the best movie soundtracks, which is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, man. Talk to me about that experience, because that soundtrack is just like God level. Yeah, no, that was crazy. Um yeah, they were just pulling a bunch of different um, artists. Even some ones that are outside of the label. They're pulling artists in the label. And it's like, I'm one of the most colorful artists there. So it's like, well, we got to definitely work this one out. And then they, they they came through with this idea, started writing and everything. And it was just like, yeah, come through, write your verse. And then like, let's just like arrange it and like figure it out. And yeah, no, it was cool. It took about like a good three or four different studio sessions, even in bringing in one of the other homies to work on it. Um, but yeah. It, it was tight, right? It, it was insane. Even to just like be at the movie theater and to like see my name like come down, and then not just like Duckworth, but my real name, Jared Lee, just to see that coming down. I was like, oh, it's insane. It, it's insane, and it's like okay, cool, like off the list, you know. But it's just also just like as soon as my name went down, it was just like all right, now that level's done. <laughs> it was like there's a next level I gotta hit. It already went down. So like, what's that next level? What's that next level? Is it scoring a movie? Is it like what? What's that next? Is it your own musical movie? Like what's that next level? I think uh, definitely scoring for sure, for sure. Or even like having uh, being able to produce my own like TV series or animated series and being able to like be more intricate and not just score it, you know, but like have other people come in, like work with different producers work with different artists and not just have them like make the songs but play the voices of the characters type but that's where my mind's at right now so that'll have, be fire yeah, yeah. so we'll that'll see. be absolutely fire i mean that must have just felt like a full circle moment of like i'm assuming one of the cartoons you grew up was probably the animated spider-man that came out in the 90s and yeah. so that full circle moment of being inside only being like you know watching cartoons like you know when you're not praying and stuff like that to your name is on the credits of Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm officially in the Marvel Universe. That's crazy, bro. That's crazy. That's so dope. That's, oh, man, that's so, that's such a great feeling. So you talked about, you know, this, like, next level of, like, a cartoon, like, you know, and all this stuff. Who is someone that you are, like, you respect a lot and would love a chance to collaborate with? Like, what's, like, what's a a dream collaboration you're waiting to have? Mm. I mean, I guess... Dream collaboration would be Neptune's, but someone that I respect, and I want to say a younger person, um, is, is Tyler, bro. Like, mm. Tyler, Tyler is, he, he, 
he gets it. He, he does full circle, you know? So it's like, I feel like I've, I've, we've had a good amount of run-ins and conversations, which is great and stuff. But like, I would love to just like sit with him, you know? And, and, and man, I think that would be insane. I think that would be insane what we can create and everything. But I say respect, I, I would definitely say Tyler. Vocalist-wise, collaboration, Rosalia. I would love to work with her. She is, oh my gosh. Man. She's on another level right now. Like when she, I heard her on that James Blake track, I was just like, who is this? Like, I need to hear this voice forever. Yeah, no, nah, her, she, she's amazing. And like, she's another full circle because you see, you see the branding, you see the video, the visuals, like it's all, it's all there, you know? So those type of people, I really respect. But I guess off top, those, those three folks. I mean, I, I love that. I mean, Neptune's definitely because, you know, that inspiration to your sound and all that, of like what you said, of bridging that punk world and that hip hop world. Tyler mm-hmm. makes sense to me because y'all are both a part of that. It's crazy that these guys are from L.A. class in my mind of like, you know, that weird L.A. dudes, that vibe and all that. And I mean, just your vocals and Rosalie's vocals together would be insane. So, I mean, I truly hope for that, man. I truly hope for that. Like, you know, I mean, like, let's let's make that happen. All right, so this is the pitch that I make to all artists that come on uh, on 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 the on the show. So I got to make it to you. You know what I'm saying? You know, a lot of albums now they have these skits where comedians are saying stuff. You know what I mean? Like if you ever just like, yo, I'm trying to make a skit or whatever on your albums. You know, I know that's not your vibe, but you know, if you ever need somebody to leave a voicemail for you, you know, I don't know. You've been hearing my voice for the last 45 minutes, so you know, keep this voice in your mind and just like you know what I mean, like. You know, maybe I'll maybe I'll play your manager. Be like, hey yo, Duckworth, man. Hey yo, man. The label's not really vibing with what you're trying to say. Like, you know, whatever this is, like, you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah, will, I don't I, know. Yeah, yeah. Tempering your tempering your voice is actually okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a good tone. <laughs> you're a good man. That's what I'm saying. You know, hey yo, Duckworth, man. They say they can't get Snickers on a tour bus. I know you said that was a big deal for you, bro, but like. There's no Snickers on the tour bus, so I don't know if we can move forward with the tour. I'm talking to people. I got Tony on the phone, but let me know. Call me back. You know what I'm saying? Just in between your songs, you know what I mean? You 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 think about it. You know, you the artist. Like I got the voice. I'm the talent. Like we'll, we'll figure it out, bro. That's fire, bro. <laughs> I definitely keep your voice in mind. <laughs> All right, man. So you know we're wrapping up here, but I wanted to. Uh, what what is something that you want people to know about Super Good going into it? Like, what is something that you want people to know about it going into it and also take away from it uh coming into it you prepare yourself for so many different sounds of, of blackness because <laughs> it's uh you know i don't want to say i wouldn't tell them what genres are going to be on there but if it wasn't a conversation with them i would say it's r&b it's house it's afrobeat it's hip-hop it's gospel those are five primaries in there, you know and it's just like, yeah, just prepare like like when you think that it's going one direction, you know, <laughs> just don't be surprised when it goes to a totally different place, but it's all gonna be, it's all gonna be, it's all a celebration of black music. And what I want them to take out of it is, is joy, man, or some type of like, you know, feeling. I, I, we really, I didn't really go too ham on like lyrics, like how I usually do. Like not to say that they're, they're, they're not on point, but I really was on more arrangement and, um, composition and more so just taking the energy and the feelings these a certain feeling of joy and, and putting it embedding it in the music like that was my most important that's why i like kind of t- t- take a, t- took a step back 
and let other people shine on this project, you know, because these other people were reflective of like the main thing, you know, and it, it just more so, I was just more so on some Quincy shit <laughs> for this album. Yeah. So I, I hope that what, what we embedded in it will, will be able to come out and, and, and what, what they feel from it and they can take it wherever they want to go in the world, you know, but yeah, that's, just joy. there's some dope features on this album, man. So I definitely feel like that, that joy is definitely resonating of like, you know what I mean? Like all these tracks have this, this vibe of like everyone's having fun on the track, especially that last track, Find a Way. It's just like, you know, like it, it feels like the end of like a movie of like everybody celebrating and everyone being like, yo, we did it. That's hella funny. That's actually the last track on the album. Dang. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I listened to the album. I listened to the album and I was just like, but like it, that's what it felt like to me. Like, you know what I mean? Like I saw the Ewoks dancing around. I was like, okay, this is the vibe. Like you told They did the same thing at the, on the last team, on the last uh, uh, new Star Wars series. The new Star Wars, yeah. They had everybody dancing at the end. Yeah. And it, it didn't feel the same. It didn't feel the same, but they definitely did it. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, yo, like, that was tight to see Ben and, and, and Shorty had that little moment. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, you know, he, he deserves something, you know. He deserves something, bro. He deserves like, something, bro. Like, um, it was so much tension in between them. I was just like, when are they going to fuck, bro? <laughs> like, come on, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know. <laughs> Where we went down, we down. I'm, I'm happy for it. It's something. Absolutely. It was a lot of crowd pleasing in that, in that movie, though. I don't yeah, but, but you know, like, like you said, it did feel good to see them fight. Palpatine together. I was like, okay, this does feel cool. I watched it on the plane. I was like, okay, this is fire. Watching th- that fight sequence was fire, but uh, it was a lot of crowd pleasing. But it's a classic Star Wars movie. Yeah, I love I love Star Wars. Right? Yeah, like little stuff, and I'm still watching that shit. So, I love it. well, then you know what, man? Shit, maybe we gonna get you in the Star Wars universe too, man. Off this interview. I was hoping. That. Let me just play a character. I'll play Ewok. <laughs> I think you're too tall to play Ewok, bro. I'm gonna be here with you. <laughs> Alright, man. Well, dude, thank you so much for coming on, man. Like for real, like this has been a great interview. I I love talking to a fellow Taurus, art school dropout. This is great, man. Super good. Out in August, please listen to it. I promise you, it is not going to be like anything you expect. It it, the sound is so unique on it. So, thank you so much, Duckworth, for being on. Uh, guys, I guess because Jaquise wasn't here, uh, I'm wrapping up the show by myself. Again, Jaquise still has not responded to my text messages. Uh, again, it could be... Damn, this episode's his... still going on? How I long mean, I'm, just, I, I'm wrapping up the episode, Jaquise. Thank you for coming back into the Zoom room. I'm Man, wrapping thought... up this episode. Nah, I'm mad, bro. I'm still mad. I, y'all still rolling? Yeah, we're still rolling. Are you rolling? I didn't stop rolling. I, I just left. You just left. So you've been you've been leaving your recorder on for about an hour. Yeah, man. That whole whatever whatever episode you just did with Duckworth, my track is going. I'm there. I'm just not there. See, but what's interesting is because we were recording on Zoom, all that your track recorded was. And I, I hate to be. Yeah, your room. It didn't record anything that I was saying or that mm-hmm. Duckworth was saying. We just have recordings of what was happening in your room. You just got uh, room tone. 
and it's gonna make Matt, the it's gonna make the file that much bigger. Matt, can you play a snippet of that right now so we can hear some of uh, Jakeesa's track? All right, here's some of Jakeesa's room tone. Hey baby, hey baby, can you bring the peanut butter? Can you bring the peanut butter? I got that itch on my balls. Jaquise, what was that? <laughs> Yo, man. Like you I keep telling you, you shouldn't have thrown that watery peanut butter away. Uh, <laughs> does a lot does a lot more for you than you think, man. <laughs> But you had to have known that the recording was still going. Were you just unaware? I didn't care, man. I I didn't care. I was I was I was walked out. Whatever y'all got, y'all got. <laughs> Matt, can we play another excerpt from Jaquise's, uh room tone? Okay, there's so much of it, so I'm just gonna pick one at random. Meow. I am Jaquise's cat. <laughs> I talk, I talk all the time. I hate Jaquise because his farts are so smelly. My fucking cat talk? <laughs> yeah, I'll never say nothing when I'm around. It was so crazy when it happened in like the interview that we sort of like didn't address it and I cut it out of the interview. What? Yeah, it didn't make did. sense. Because <laughs> the other one was a little bit whispery, so we didn't really pick up on it. But your cat talking was very loud. And he had some questions for uh, <laughs> Duckworth as well. And, but you know what? It, it also, wow. he walked out with a feature. He got his... He he, what? <laughs> Yo, He will that? have a feature on Duckworth's you know what? Uh, next I'm album. Not, not the album mad. coming out in August, but the next album he will Ziggy have got a feature. Ziggy got, all right, Ziggy got a feature. Mad. I'm not even mad. He can pay rent. See, this is the best part. This is the best. This is the best thing I ever did. I need to walk out of episodes more often. Hmm. <laughs> I will do a queen of the week because I love uh, black women. Queen of the week. My queen of the week is someone I am incredibly impressed by. I'm incredibly blown away by. Uh, I'm so jealous of in terms of. Some of the things that she has written on, uh, including The Onion and having written for truly my one of my big, big comedy idols, Stephen Colbert. Uh, her show is, you know, it definitely came out before The Wokest, so there's no accusation of me being like, it's a better Wokest. Uh, but it is a much, much better Wokest. I mean, it's just so good. I, I think that it's really elevating the conversations that we're having around this idea of cancel culture in a very interesting way. Uh, but it's Z-Way. My queen of the week is Z-Way. Uh, her Instagram lives are a thing of beauty. I, and I think that you can really tell uh, how good a comedian is because you can kind of, uh, when they're operating in this space, when they don't even have to, like, I like was just like, okay, I'm ready to bow down with her... Uh, not Rose McGowan. What's the other one's name? Alyssa Milano. Uh, mm-hmm. In her interview with Melissa Milano, uh, Melissa, Alyssa Milano, she didn't have to do anything. She had already constructed the perfect show that Alyssa just did it herself. Like she just spoke and said so many wild things. Like I remember Z-Way asked her a question, which was just like, Did you have, uh, do you have any black friends? And she went, You know, I did have this black mentor growing up named 
Jimmy Jazz, which is one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my fucking life. That someone asks you for a black friend, and whether this person is real or not, the name you picked to say was Jimmy Jazz. So, like, I, I, I just think that Z-Way has really constructed this perfect show to talk about this space. I'm excited to see where she goes with it. Maybe when quarantine is done, you know, she'll be given a show on TV where she can do this a lot further. Hey, hit me up. I'd love to write on it, but I'm in awe of Z-Way. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. I have two Queen of the Weeks. Um, one is an impersonal one. One is a personal one. Uh, my impersonal one, uh, Zerlina Maxwell, is my Queen of the Week. Uh, she has a new book coming out called The End of White Politics. Uh, I'm not, you know, much of a reader, but some of the stuff that I've read about the book, uh, you know, speaks to a lot of the things that we are talking about right now in this movement uh, when it comes to ending the white supremacy and politics and in a lot of these spaces. Um, you know, she's a good twi- Twitter follower um, as well. And and I think there needs to be just more black women uh, having the political conversations, whether we are on their side. Well, not if we're not on their side. Uh, but I think there needs to be more women of color in the political sphere, especially uh, women of color who have an interest in tearing down the walls of white supremacy. So certainly the Maxwell is my queen of the week. Um, my other queen of the week is a very personal one. Um, a so I have a uh at this point I call him my brother. Uh we've known each other for a very long time since uh 7th grade, so since 1997. Um and and you know we've been boys since then. A lot of sleepovers. Uh you know, a lot of family enter you know a lot of family uh get togethers and and i view his family as mine and my family views him as uh theirs so my boy jeremy flowers um his mother just passed away and uh it was somebody who was very close to me as well um beverly flowers i loved her a lot and she was a great person too young in her 50s um and it speaks to one other thing so forever queen um i'll miss her uh keep him in your thoughts i know you don't know him but this man has lost both of his parents in less than 10 years which is very tough um and two parents that i also loved very much uh as well um and one thing that bothers me is during the COVID talk, it's a very serious thing, right? Mm-hmm. I don't need to talk about that, but the one thing that I think some people aren't realizing, and I'm not going to say why she passed away, because it's personal, but I will say that with our hospitals overrun with COVID uh, cases, that a lot of other cases, that a lot of other illnesses aren't getting the care that they need right now. 
Yeah, we're we're singularly focused right now in a detrimental way. Yeah, and and a lot of people are losing their lives for no reason. Mm. Uh, for no reason, you know. I, and and so you know the fight that we're fighting with the whole coronavirus is a little is even bigger than just the coronavirus. Um, yeah. a lot of people who have chronic illness and chronic pain and, and, and illnesses that can be fatal aren't getting the care and attention that they normally would get during normal times. And I feel like that's another part that that's something that a lot of people aren't talking about. Uh, and it kind of came right to my front step. So, um, wherever you are, if you're listening to this, please do whatever you have to do to, try to get this thing under control for many reasons. And that is one of them. Uh, so people who need care can get the care that they need and hopefully stay alive when there's no reason for them to, to die. Um, so I didn't mean to bring it down. No, but not I, at all. I definitely wanted to say that, um, and to say I loved her and, uh, you know, it speaks to another issue of black women not being taken seriously in the medical world uh, yeah. by doctors. And uh, these are things that we desperately need to change. So I hope we do. That's it. That's uh, all I got. Beverly Flowers, uh, may you rest in peace. And thank you for the love that you brought to the world when you were here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, at Edgar Montplazier on Twitter, Awful Graham on the Gram. At Jaquise Neal on all social media, at Culture Kings Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Mm-hmm, we got mm-hmm. bonus content, tons of it, a lot of it. So, you know, make sure to hop on that. Check out The Kingdom. You can do that by doing, what am I doing? Who fucking cares? If you need to go find it, go find it. My nigga's crying right now. I don't need to be fucking pushing. Like, <laughs> I don't need to be pushing. Nah, fucking. we can push that. Money, money, nah. money solves a lot, man. Go use the promo code. Money please. doesn't solve a goddamn thing, Jaquees. <laughs> It'll buy me some new Jordans, my dude. And that. No, that's true. Know. No, that's true. That's the cure. That's the cure. Yeah, that's, that's the cure. The cure. That's the cure. Promo code Kings. Yes, promo code Kings. Thank y'all for listening. Uh, maybe one day I'll get the chance to talk to Duckworth when I'm not furiously angry. Uh, maybe one day. Maybe one day. Bye bye. <laughs>